Hi, this is Chaz, and you're listening to my good friend Bob Main on the Handgun World Podcast. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a very practical guy, and that is me. I am not ex-law enforcement, I'm not ex-military, I'm not a gunsmith, I'm not a gun writer for the firearms industry. I'm just a regular guy, and I take my Second Amendment rights very seriously and share them with you. If you are a new shooter, if you're an experienced shooter, if you're somewhere in between, you will benefit from every episode that I put out there. And so this week, this is episode 400 and I'm sorry, 544 to be exact. Episode 544. And I thank you very much for tuning in. Concealment Solutions is the sponsor for this. It's my only sponsor. And um, they have just fantastic uh, products. And I got some more things I'm going to say about solution, uh, Concealment Solutions coming up. But their holsters are magnificent. And their customer service is outstanding. If you need a good concealment holster, or even if you want a competition holster, check them out, concealmentsolutions.com. And if you're going to come take my class in Utah, for example, get a good holster and a belt and mag carriers over at concealmentsolutions.com. You get a 10% discount by using the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD. And again, their website is concealmentsolutions.com. Everything I talk about in this episode and all the others, I put show notes on the listing page and on my website and even on the iTunes feed. So check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes for Concealment Solutions and quite a few other things that I discuss. This episode is all about listener feedback. And I've got a couple of emails. I've also got some real good voicemails to share with you. So let's get started with the first voicemail. Hi, Bob. I wanted to talk about the 22. Very interested in your in your podcast today. I have a LCP 22 light rack, and I find it to be a wonderful gun for shooting with the CCI mini mags. And I was able to obtain four 13-round magazines, which gives me 13 or 14. And I am actually trying to use it in competition. And uh, the sights are okay. Trigger's not bad. And it weighs like 13 ounces. And it, you, you can put it in your back pocket holster. So uh, I hope you uh, – and, and they seem to be flying off the shelves from what I'm told. So it's a really nice gun. It's got a safety. And it's got little recoil if a woman uses it. So uh, I don't care if you put me on or just talk about it, but I think you might want to mention it. Thanks a lot, buddy. You've been listening for about three years. Bye. Sir, thank you very much for calling that in. Terrific point. He's talking about 
A couple of episodes ago, I made a case for the 22 long rifle pistol. And the Ruger LCP 22 caliber light rack. It's a cool little gun. I have never had a chance to shoot one. So I'm glad this gentleman called in and, and started talking about his and kind of gave a little bit of a review there. One thing I really like about it is the size. Apparently, it looks to be very, very um, easy to use. And again, not my first choice for a concealed carry gun for self-defense because it's 22 caliber. But if that's all you can handle, then that's all you can handle. Then use it. That's, I mean, I think that's perfectly uh, okay. I guess I would like to see more than a 22. I'd like to see you have minimum, you know, a nine millimeter, even a, even a good 380 with some good, powerful 380 ammo, you know, concealed carry ammo. Something that is loaded for self-defense. The 380 is going to be a lot more potent gun. And I happen to have that LCP2 in 380. And it's a neat little pocket gun. It's great. When I talked about uh, carrying, when I talk about pocket carrying, that's normally my go-to pocket carry gun. Either that or my Car Arms P380. And I carry them in real nice pocket holsters. And if you have a good pocket holster and a good a good gun that that's designed for that kind of carry it's great but this lcp2 and 22 long rifle and it's also a a light rack so it's much easier to rack the slide most 22 semi-automatics they are easier the spring tension is not as tight and so it's easier to rack the slide so thank you for calling that in sir uh i would that was something that you know was a very informative email and I mean, uh, voicemail, and really had a lot of application to what I've been talking about lately. So a link will be in the show notes. But again, the Ruger Light Rack LCP2 22 long rifle, 11.3 ounces is what it looks like the weight is. And it's 2.75 inch barrel. I, I'm amazed that uh, this gentleman is going to, either he's trying to to compete with it, Wow, that's that's brave. That's good. I like that. I like it when people go compete with guns that they actually carry. They train and compete with guns that they actually carry. If you take my class coming up in Utah in June, even if you are, are new at this or even if you're experienced, come to the class with what you typically conceal carry. I will help you get proficient with what you already have, even if it's a snub-nosed revolver. Or even something like this uh, LCP-22. Or if it's some other kind of a 22, Or if it's just like one of the micro-compact 9s out there. Like a shield or a P365. Come with whatever it is that you normally carry. You're going to get the most benefit out of the class. I'm not going to give you a hard time if you come with your competition gun. That's okay, Trey. If you want to have fun, you know, I mean, a lot of training is just all about having fun, folks. You're going to learn some things. You're going to, you're going to take away. I promise I will give you your money back on the spot if you don't come away from my one-day class with skills that improve your self-defense that you're convinced that you can use. That's the way I am. I like to teach usable things. When I used to be a sales trainer, I was a sales, a professional sales trainer for seven and a half years. I was kind of teaching and getting my training at the same time. It was almost like an in internship, like a seven and a half year internship, and I got very good at it. 
I was in the top three in the country in what I was selling at that time. And I got good at it. And one of the things I, I learned was that I could learn while I'm teaching. As a matter of fact, one of the great ways to learn something is to get proficient. I mean, get at least intermediate proficiency level and then go teach it. Because what happens is once you're at intermediate proficiency level and you have to go teach it, it forces you to up your game. And that's what I had to do. I had to up my game. But it was okay. That was good. That's how I got a lot of training. OJT, a little bit of on-the-job training, but I was already intermediately proficient. So come to my class. Bring your concealed carry holster. Even if it's an LCP222 uh, light rack, come with that. I will get you shooting it, drawing it from your holster, and learning how to run it, learning how to make good hits on target, learning how to reload it, clear malfunctions, all that kind of stuff, even shooting on the move. And we'll do that all in one day from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. on June 12th in southern Utah. Go to handgunworld.com. You can see all the details about the class. You can get signed up. I've got a right on the menu at handgunworld.com. Right on the menu at the top of the page, you'll see a link. This was a great voicemail. Thanks for calling that in, and thank you so much, sir, for allowing me to use it and talk about it. Okay, let's go to the next voicemail. By the way, before we get there, if you want to call in, 210-646-1727 is the phone number. 210-646-1727. Hey, Bob. It's Dave in Utah. Uh, recently, you had a caller who was asking for advice about carrying with a tucked-in shirt. Um, I think you said he had a, a CZ P10, some kind of medium or full-size gun. Um, in my experience, um, using the, the concealment solutions, well, the CS1 holster, uh, his kind of classic hybrid holster, um, that's, I, that's what I've used, and it conceals pretty well. So there's a couple of tricks you need to do for carrying with the tucked-in shirt. Um, you know, one of the things that Bob mentioned is that you are going to have those clips hanging out. Now, I believe um, Concealment Solutions is now using polymer clips that have a bit of an underhook, where instead of just kind of a folded piece of metal that makes a ledge at the bottom of your belt, it's a polymer that actually hooks back up under underneath, so it's securely on there. Um, that's good to have because you don't want to draw the gun and then have the holster come out halfway with it. Um, but those are typically the color black. So you need to engage in a little bit of camouflage here. Um, you're going to want to get black pants and a good um, black uh, gun belt. Um, and, you know, if it needs to be leather belt, uh, you want to you get one that's sturdy. You can find, I think, probably like the Beltman or um, Adams Holsters. They make leather gun belts. So you, you can just get one in black so that it's all the same color as those clips. So that way, someone would only notice them if they were really looking. Um, you could even go so far as to, you know, spray a little bit of a like a matte finish spray paint on the clips so they're not shiny, so they don't stand out. Um, and then when you tuck in your shirt, it's better to it's better to have shirts that are a darker color, or if it's white, it's better if the the fabric is a little bit of a heavier fabric. 
you know, so that the, the dark color of your gun doesn't show through. Um, it's good if they, if there's a pattern to the shirt. And then also when you tuck it in, don't let it like sit skin tight against you. You want to kind of blouse it out a little bit so it kind of puffs around. So if you get your pants on, you can kind of lift up your right, you know, kind of lean to the right and left, kind of tuck your shirt so it kind of billows out a little bit. That'll hide the, the shape of your grip. And then of course, uh, you don't want to have pants that are too tight too. You want them to be a little bit loose so that they, you know, you're not, you don't have that gun outline imprinted against your side. But I like the, uh, I like the, the concealment solutions, um, holsters for that. Um, they, he will, he can make a holster for your, is that he can basically make a holster for any gun. I know that he has a ton of molds and if he doesn't have a mold, he will try and find one. Um, to, so for the CZs, those are fairly popular. So he definitely has molds for those. So um, the advantage is that they, they conceal really well. They are tuckable. As long as you keep those tips in line that I mentioned, then, then that helps. Now, when you, do, when you do practice your draw, you are going to have to practice grabbing your shirt and ripping it up because you're going to have to, you know, overcome the tension of your shirt between your your uh, pants and, and the holster. So you're going to have to practice grab ripping it up and then drawing the gun out. Um, and then, of course, you're going to, you know, it's going to take a little bit. Like, you're going to have to get it in the holster, and then you're going to have to loosen your belt and tuck it in around it and kind of get it arranged just nice to, to put it on. But it can be done. And as, as Bob mentioned... Um, doing pocket carry is really, really temptingly convenient. Um, if you can get a J-frame revolver uh, or, you know, I my pockets are big enough that I can fit a car CM9 in it with a pocket holster. Um, that's really convenient. But you can you can do it with your with your CZ. And I think Concealment Solutions CS1 is a good option for that. Anyway, sorry I got two voicemails for you, but hopefully it's useful information. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Thank you, Dave. Dave's a regular contributor. He's from the Utah area, and I, I, I appreciate so much when he calls in. Dave, I hope, hope we get a chance to meet someday. We, we haven't had a chance to do that, but I certainly hope that we do. I really enjoy meeting all listeners anytime, and especially those who contribute a lot to this show. This, if you don't know already, this is a, a listener interactive show. I, I do this podcast, and it's all about you, the listener. It's also listener-supported, about 90% listener-supported because I have only one sponsor, and that is Concealment Solutions. So I'm going to get to Dave's voicemail here in a minute. Please join the Shooters Club that Ben Branham at Modern Self-Protection and I have put together. It is a collaboration, a joint effort between us and it's over over 80 instructional videos. If you are going to come to my class and you don't have a whole lot of experience, start watching the videos. Sign up for the Shooters Club. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a deal. If you sign up for the class that I'm teaching, I'll give you a free membership to the Shooters Club for six months. And you can, get, you can start watching our instructional videos. It's only $8 a month to become a member, $75 a year. If you want to save a little bit of money on a one-year membership, sign up for my uh, class coming up and you'll get a free six months. 
it's a it's a chance folks for you to constantly refresh yourself and refresh your your techniques and get some good information out of it and most of us do so much online these days that's why i think it's it's a good benefit shootersclubmembers.com is how you can sign up go to shootersclubmembers.com again a link will be posted in the show notes for this episode so what dave was talking about in this voicemail is carrying with a tucked in shirt a listener did call in to my show a little while back and asked about concealed carry with a tucked in shirt i don't know a lot about it because i don't do it i don't carry with a tucked in shirt i tried it a couple of times it was a long time ago maybe i'll try it again i don't have the right holster i'll have to get a hold of jason at concealment solutions and see if i can get a tuckable holster i mean i do but i don't really have the need to carry with a tucked in shirt and i don't have the ideal holster for tucking in i do like the cs1 that dave was just talking about and there's several offerings at concealment solutions that offer tuckable holsters blousing out the shirt you know loosening up your shirt so that part of it covers up the clips and things like that and even helps the gun print less that's good so i'm glad that dave brought that up and i think if you do have to carry with a tucked in shirt follow dave's advice on this voicemail or go to pocket carry if you have a little uh, j frame revolver those are great for pocket carry again i happen to like my car p380 or my lcp2 in 380 for pocket carry because they're so small so light both of those guns are very accurate i shoot them well and especially i was very impressed with the lcp2 because of the trigger and the sights on that little pocket gun they're very usable sights they're very good the trigger is excellent and the gun is just quite accurate and just fun and i i do not feel like i would be undergunned or in serious trouble if i had to defend myself with that gun because I know how well that I can shoot that gun and that's important a lot of people I get asked a lot and so do a lot of other people that are in this industry whether they're podcasters trainers competitive shooters we get asked a lot what's the best gun what's the best gun what what should I get what's the best gun the standard answer is always the true answer the standard answer is whatever gun that you can shoot well that fits your hand that you can operate and operate it efficiently and that you enjoy shooting and that you enjoy going to the range and practicing that is your gun that is your best gun I don't care what brand it is I don't care what color it is I don't care about any of that stuff I don't care about where it's made or who makes it or anything if you can shoot it well if you can defend yourself with it if you enjoy practicing and training with it that's the other thing do you enjoy practicing and training uh, snub nose revolvers come to mind because they're difficult to shoot and a lot of people buy those and I'm not saying they're bad guns I'm just saying they buy those and they don't enjoy shooting them even some of the real small nine millimeters out there like the really really small nine millimeters they, they just don't like shooting them yeah, people that have the little 
three-inch 45 uh, 1911s. A lot of people just don't like shooting those either. And so if you don't like to shoot it, you're not going to practice, you're not going to train, and you might even be a little bit afraid to use it if you had to use it in self-defense because you're unsure about your skills with that particular firearm. So find out what it is that you're going to shoot the best. It's, it's kind of like trying to answer the question, what's the best car for me to buy? Well, there's a hundred different models out there that people are going to say, this is the best car. The best car is going to be the one that you drive the best, that fits your budget, that fits your um, gas mileage requirement, or maybe you don't have a gas mileage requirement, but maybe you do. It's going to be a car that fits your family requirements, how many people are going to be typically in the car one or two or four or five or six so there's no one constant answer on what's the best car or the best pair of shoes or anything like that or even what's the best gun it's whatever fits you best and whatever is the most comfortable for you to use to operate and to train with that gun so anyway, Dave gave some really good advice here on carrying with a tucked-in shirt in this voicemail. And I appreciate pre- appreciate that very much. Dave, thank you very much. Uh, you always call in some good feedback and even sometimes questions, and I appreciate that. Again, folks, if you want to call into the Handgun World podcast, 1727. I would love to have you on the show, even if you disagree. That's okay. I'm an open-minded guy. I've always believed our minds are like a parachute. They work best when they're open. And if you have a closed mind, it's going to be difficult to learn anything. I'm also a big boy. I can take criticism. You want to set me straight on something or whatever, feel free to do that too. Or even just ask a question. And I'll answer your question, or if I can't give you a good answer, I will find somebody to get a good answer sent to you or even maybe get them on the show and talk about it because I care about you, the listener. Next, I got some good emails that I want to talk about. You can always email me, handgunworld at gmail.com. Christian from Germany. I do have international listeners, folks. I have a pretty good number of international listeners. Thank you. Thank you to all the people outside the United States that are tuning into my show every week. It's great. And this is interesting. Christian, he says uh, a couple of things he wanted to talk about. And and first of all, uh, in Germany, it's, it's pretty restrictive. The handgun situation over there is uh, pretty restrictive. Christian says, apart from ecologists fearing that every gun is used for only terrorist acts, the government has restricted the amount of ammo in the magazine, kind of like several states that we have here uh, in the unfree parts of America. 10 rounds max for rifles and uh, 20 rounds for handguns. Well, that's that's not bad. I mean, 20 rounds for a handgun. I'm wondering if Christian meant that the other way around. Uh, 20 rounds max for rifles and uh, 10 rounds for handgun. I don't know. But every mag above these limits, here's what's interesting. 
Every mag above these limits leads to violating the rules, and that means, he says, uh, all guns are taken away for a lifetime without any chance of ever getting them back. The only possibility to keep the bigger mags is to prove to the law that they have been purchased before 2016. Uh, and you have to prove it to them. So uh, think about this. Guns taken away for lifetime without any a chance of you ever getting them back because you exceeded the magazine capacity. So for those of you that live in unfree states in America that think that you got it bad with magazine capacity restrictions, think about what Christian over in Germany is going through. He said, for the moment, I own a Smith & Wesson 686 and a Sig P226 um, with a conversion kit for 22 long rifle. Anyway, Christian, uh, that's, that's not his entire email, but those are the highlights of the email. Thanks for sending that to me. We take for granted a lot what we have here. Christian calls it, in America, he calls it paradise or gun paradise, <laughs> something like that. We do take it for granted. We, we complain a lot in America about our gun rights, but think about what people from other countries have to deal with when it comes to firearms. In some countries, they cannot even own firearms. We must fight to make sure that America does not ever, ever, get to that point of gun control or any more gun control than we already have. We have a lot more gun control here in America than people realize. We have enough. We have too much. And, you know, the media twists that. They spin that and make it sound like there's war on the streets every day here in America. And there's not. There's not war on the streets every day in America. And the violence in America is not being caused by guns. It's not being caused by guns because guns, all they are are little machines you hold in your hand that you use as tools for self-defense that fire a projectile. But the human brain, the human heart, the hands, and the body is what is used to operate those weapons. It's not the weapon itself. Guns don't shoot themselves. They don't shoot by themselves is what I meant to say. They don't all of a sudden jump out of the safe and just start shooting bullets everywhere. They have to be managed, manipulated, and handled by a human being. So that is who's causing the crime. Human beings, not the guns. So let's make sure that we all understand that other people have a whole lot worse situation when it comes to gun controls and what they can and cannot own and what they can and cannot carry, etc., Thank God for some of the freer states in the United States of America. I live in the great state of Texas, San Antonio, to be exact. But I'm a cheesehead Yankee from Wisconsin that relocated here 24 years ago. So Christian from Germany, thank you very much for this email. Now let's get to the next one. This one comes from a guy named Mac in Delaware. Max got some cool stuff. He says, hey, Bob, I wrote to you about a year ago or a year and a half ago after you did the podcast about the forgotten Glock 19 Gen 3. He said, well, my Gen 3 is still my everyday carry, but this letter is more about a topic that you and Ben Branham discussed earlier this month. 
I think you were talking about checking your equipment. Listen to this. I learned that lesson firsthand during a recent action pistol match. The scenario was running a a trial where we were shooting at a plate, a plate tree, excuse me, a plate tree from seven yards. By the way, I want to stop right there. When you come to my class that I'm teaching, we're going to be shooting a tremendous amount of steel. It is so much fun and such good training shooting at steel targets. Okay. So he was shooting at the plate tree from seven yards, flipping them from one side and back to the other by shooting them, of course. He was about halfway through the plates with his uh, trusty Glock 19 Gen 3 when the front sight came loose and spun about 90 degrees. And so his front sight was pretty much sitting sideways on the slide. So he says, I carry a small collection of tools now in my range bag. And it's a good recommendation for your listeners. Yes, you are correct, Mac, from Delaware. Carrying a small collection of tools in your range bag. I've been doing it for years. I can fix that site. If it if I was right there with you, I could fix that site in 10 minutes. I got the Loctite. I got the, the proper little uh, tool to take that site off, that front site off, and it's easy. And he said he made the repair quickly as well, uh, but he learned his lesson. Check your equipment. That site was probably working its way loose long before it actually came loose, and Mac just didn't know it. I've had that happen to me. I've had it happen to me with a rear sight. All of a sudden, it just slid all the way over to the left side of the slide and almost came almost came off the pistol. They, they just do that. So always check. Check everything. Check your sights. Check your magazines. Check everything that could possibly go wrong. Recoil springs. Uh, are they, is it too strong, too weak? Does it need to be replaced? Are you replacing recoil springs every three to 5,000 rounds? It's probably a good idea. Recoil springs for almost any semi-automatic pistol, they're cheap. They're low cost. Check your, check your red dot sights. Make sure they are working. Make sure your red dot sights on your pistols are properly and securely on the slide. I've seen those loosen up. I've seen parts come flying out of red dot sights while people are shooting them in class and also in competition. Check all that stuff. And remember, the more accessories you have on a, on a handgun, rifle, shotgun, anything, the more accessories, the more weak points that you have on the gun that could fail. So check all that. Because the last thing that you want is to be in a self-defense situation. And your front sight comes off the gun or turns sideways. Or your rear sight drifts to the side of the slide and almost comes off. Or your red dot never comes on because you you have a malfunction with your red dot sight. And by the way, folks, if you think that red dot sight guns don't malfunction, please understand. Think again. They do. In fact, they probably malfunction at a higher rate than iron-sighted guns, which is why I have not completely made the transition over to red dot sights yet. I might, though. But checking your equipment is so important. It's so necessary. And it's that's a great point, Mac from Delaware. Thank you for emailing this to me. 
Folks, if you want to email me, handgunworld at gmail.com. I do read every single email that comes to me. I don't always get a chance to talk about every single one and put them on the show. You know, if I did that, probably every single show would be about listener emails and it wouldn't be about any specific topic. So what I do is I dedicate about one every five or six episodes, like this one, to answering emails and playing voicemails. About one every five or six uh, episodes I dedicate to listener feedback. Okay, next, I want to talk about a new philosophy that I have. I, I like to always you know, try different things. So my philosophy this year, and it's very tempting to do something different, but I'm going to try real hard to stick to it. So uh, I'm going to put this out publicly, and I'm going to try real hard to stick to it. It's very tempting always, you know, for those of us that are gun enthusiasts, it's very tempting to go buy a new gun. Uh, something comes out that gets our attention and we think, ooh, wow, that's really cool. I would love to have that. My philosophy is going to be improve the guns I already have. The handguns, shotguns, and rifles that I already have to improve them. And when I say improve them, I also mean improve myself in using those guns. There are a couple handguns I have that I still need to modify to my exact specification to my exact desire as to how I want them. Uh, I've got one Glock 19 that I've got modified for myself just perfect. And I can shoot, that's still a sh the gun I have that I can still shoot the best. My third generation Glock 19, nicely modified, not heavily modified, but about a medium amount of modifications. And I was very careful to select parts that are proven reliable that are proven to work and I test them I test them when I had John Korea on last week John Korea from active self-protection a YouTube channel you definitely need to sign up and look at and subscribe to if you're not already John talked about making sure that you test everything test everything and test everything and then once you've got everything exactly the way you want it, when it, whenever you make modifications or whenever you put something on your gun and you get it tested exactly the way you want it, then you're good to go. But not just testing it by shooting two magazines of ammunition, but how about like going to a class or going to a few competition matches or go train with, your, with some friends and, and get that round count up to four or 500 rounds before you start trusting anything that you have put on your gun so that Glock 19 that I have I shoot it better than anything else and I've got lots of other guns that I have tried and compared it some of the other guns that I've tried I own and some are not but I borrowed them for a real long time and I just I there's still nothing it's it's amazing I don't know what it is there's nothing I can shoot better than my third third generation Glock 19 that's modified exactly to the way I want it. So that's what I'm going to do to some of the other guns. Uh, I have an M&P, Smith & Wesson M&P. I need to get, I need to start working on that one. And, and that's a project to get that thing exactly. It's pretty good out of the box, folks. I mean, it's really good out of the box. There's not much that I have to do to my M&P 2.0 compact to make that thing exactly the way I like it. So that's going to be my focus this year. And by the end of 2021, I hope to have probably three or four go-to guns 
that are perfect for me and that that's going to be good I, if i got three or four that are perfect for me that i know i can shoot well that are modified exactly the way i need them uh, that's that's good that's good then the rest of them are just going to kind of be just fun stuff fun guns or conversational guns or just having fun shooting at the range guns but i'm talking about my my self-defense guns three or four a couple of handguns and a couple of rifles that are going to be good to go and you know ars ak's they, they take they take a, a certain degree of modification mostly to get them to you know be exactly the way you want them now some of you might be asking some of you might be new shooters and i want this show to appeal to new shooters as well and you might be thinking to yourself bob how do i know what modifications to make i'm going to give you an unpopular answer but i believe it's the truth you don't know what modifications you need to make until you've shot your gun a lot. And when I say a lot, I've talked many times about the thousand round trigger job. And ladies and gentlemen, I've only been doing this for 15 years. I'm sorry, 16 years. So I'm kind of a newcomer. I started shooting and carrying in 2005. It's when I got my concealed carry license for the first time. And the first competition match and the first training class I ever took was in late 2005. So I've only got 16 years of experience. Other people have a whole lot more than I do. But what I have seen in 16 years is people make a lot of modifications instantly. I mean, a couple of weeks after they buy their gun, they buy the gun. They're mod. They got three different modifications or four different modifications. And I even made that mistake. You know, when I was new at doing this, I thought that no gun was ever good enough when it came out of the box from the factory. I thought, this thing can't be good enough. So I go start tinkering with it and doing all kinds of stuff, and I wasted a tremendous amount of money. Because when I first started, I couldn't shoot very well. I had to take lessons. I had to train. I had to compete. I had to get my skills up. So the modifications were wasteful. And not only did I do that to one gun, I did it to three or four. And I modified them significantly right after I bought them. And that was really a dumb move. Had I shot them more, I would have known which modifications were good for me and which were not. I've gone through so many different sites, it's amazing. I've modified my triggers so many times, it's I've lost count. Okay? The things that I have purchased... The, the, the laser sights, I'm not knocking laser sights, but I bought some that just didn't work for me at, at one time, and, and they were terrible. The magazines, the ammo, you know, all the tinkering that I had done to the 19... And, and the worst was my 1911s. When, you know, I first started shooting with 1911s. I mean, I first started training and competing with 1911s. My first pistol I ever purchased was a SIG P226 9mm. Should have kept that gun. What an idiot that I didn't keep that gun. Oh man, I can't believe it. It was beautiful. And and also this 226, it had a stainless steel uh, slide. It had a uh, had a chrome slide or, or a, a silver color slide that was very, very well done. And it had a trigger job done on it. I purchased it with a trigger job trigger job that had been done by a very, very well-known Central Texas gunsmith. 
And that gun was fantastic. I and all I had was the the standard SIG two twenty six sights that come on a standard SIG and or at that time anyway, back in two thousand and five. And I you know, I, I changed those out and and I was messing around with the recoil spring assemblies and I just I was doing things to that gun even back then when I was brand new that I had no business getting done. That gun was fine just the way it was. It was fine. And I should have just left it alone. Then I then I buy a couple of 1911s. This was uh I think I bought those in 2000 early 2007. I bought a couple of 1911s and oh man, you know, like every other 1911 owner, I just was changing out things like crazy on that. Uh, not only just the trigger, but I was changing out recoil spring assemblies and and trying different things with that. And none of those ever seemed to make any kind of a difference on how I could shoot that 1911. One of them I had a gunsmith work over the trigger and he improved the trigger for me. Now... Think about that. Improving a trigger on a regular 1911. I mean, most 1911s have a good trigger already. Especially the the medium to higher quality. But what what did Bob Main do? Uh, no, I, heck, that wasn't, I wasn't satisfied with that. I wasn't satisfied because, see, I had to shoot better. And I thought, well, I can shoot better if I just start changing this trigger. The reason why I can't shoot and be very accurate is it's got to be this bad 1911 trigger because when I bought it out of the box certainly it was no good so what do I have to do I have to go pay a lot of money to a gunsmith that was pretty good another well-known gunsmith and he did a great job of really fine-tuning that 1911 trigger so I go pick it up from the gunsmith and I head straight to the range and my shooting still sucked and I was really mad at myself for spending all that money when I could have spent that money on learning how to shoot. I didn't do that. And it wasn't until I started taking some private lessons, some training classes. Very first training class I ever went to was a defensive pistol class taught by one of the Suarez International instructors, Glenn Matthews. And when I, when I took that class and when I started combining what I learned there with going to some competition, mostly IDPA, occasionally USPSA, that's when my skills improved drastically. And I probably could have done real well with those stock guns and maybe changing out to some competition sites or night sites. If I'd have left those guns alone and not spent so much time and money changing them and spent that time and money taking more classes practicing more and going to the range and competing I, I probably that that would have been better and so today that's my that's my philosophy is I, I always think about how much money I wasted and on how many guns I did it to and some of the guns I sold because I thought you know what uh, this isn't the right gun for me because I can't shoot it well I'm here to tell you I, I really believe that you can learn to shoot almost any kind of gun and shoot it well. You can learn it. It's it's more of a learning skill. And a lot of people don't like me to, they don't like like to hear this. I'm saying that, that this is an unpopular opinion. 
but sometimes the truth is not popular and and most of the time it's the knucklehead pulling the trigger and gripping the gun and that's the problem and not so much the gun and these days in 2021 in March 2021 guess what guns are very well built high quality there are so many good guns out it's just ridiculous I mean it's amazing just just buy almost any decent firearm handgun made today and I can tell you it's a good gun yeah, we are in the golden golden age of gun manufacturing so buy one it's good I'd say that there's a 98% chance it's a good gun and it's going to do what it's supposed to do so if you're not shooting it well most likely it's your skill level okay you can learn I have seen I have seen young people with small hands shoot 1911 45s like a house on fire I've seen them shoot Glock 17s and do very well and they got tiny hands so every time I hear somebody say well I can't shoot my Glock very well because my hands are too small you know what it just I get a little annoyed when I hear that because the number of people that cannot shoot a Glock a full-size Glock and can't shoot it well because of their hand size few and far between you can learn I, granted I'm gonna let some people off the hook there are some that have no business with a full-size Glock 17 because the size of their hands uh, some of them can barely even reach the trigger if that is you I completely understand and I agree with that but the vast majority of the people can shoot that gun they can shoot 1911 45s they can shoot full-size H and K's if they want to they can shoot SIG 226's whatever they can shoot the new SIG X5 Legion because they're all very good guns and and the way some guns are made today with different back straps and palm swells you can make them fit your hand size so there's no excuse a lot of guns that you buy today you can't use the hand size excuse because you can change the back straps and you can just from what the factory provides you I mean you get four back straps if you buy a Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0 compact four between those four palm swell back straps, that's I call them palm swell back straps. You know the grip, the grip panels on the back of the grip that you change out. You get four. You can make that gun fit your hand. So once you make it fit your hand, that's no longer an excuse. The excuse is, how much practice do you have? How much training do you have? How much have you shot it? So this year, for me. It's going to be more about buying ammunition or acquiring ammunition from reliable reloading sources <laughs> like myself <laughs> or a very, very good friend of mine that does a lot of reloading that struggled at first to make some good reloads, but he's excellent now. And so I got a deal worked out with him. I have a pretty good amount of factory ammunition. I'm not going to talk about how many. Some people might think that three boxes is a lot. Some people might think that three cases is a lot. I don't know. The amount of ammunition I own is somewhere between three boxes and three cases. How does that sound? <laughs> it's, it's enough for a while. 
But I am budgeting my money so that I can acquire more ammunition and do some more shooting, training, and teaching. Because I really believe that is the key. And so that's why I'm doing more teaching. That's why I decided to put another class on my uh, instructor schedule in June and probably two more in 2021. Uh, lately, I have had to cut back my competition shooting to about once every three weeks. But as soon as I can pick up a little bit more ammo, I will increase that. And uh, there is a training class. I'm not going to talk about it right now, but there's one that I'm thinking about attending and I just need to make sure that I've got the time to go do it. And then once I do that and get signed up, I'll tell you all about it. So that's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This week, I've said what I want to say. And I think it's, I think it's something that you're probably going to learn from. And I, I just want to close out the show by saying this. Especially after we've had a couple of tragic shootings. Evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Bob Main. Shoot straight. Shoot safe. Read your Bible every day. That's most important. And I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Good.